Modern Times retreats back to Southern California. A bit of the hair of the dog is no longer an option. Constellation looks at getting back into the beer business and adding energy drinks. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. If you're tired of being depressed by the regular news that documents society's slow collapse of the abyss of history, well, enjoy our pad- podcast where we endeavor to document a very specific piece of said society slowly collapsing into the abyss of history. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to give you a bad remark on this one. I-, I feel like you've done too many opens that are too close to that. It feels like you're recycling material here. <laughs> you know what? I You come up with one. No, yeah. That's not my job. Yeah, you come up with one. My job is to show up, drink, and yell. (laughs) I'm like a panda. I eat, shoots, and leaves. (laughs) And you do two out of three of those remarkably well. Uh, (laughs) Drink and yell? (laughs) Bingo. (laughs) Anyway. That's why I was signed on. That's what my agent got me this for. I have to have a talk with that that shyster bastard. <laughs> You're talking to him. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, for our podcast today, I thought we would do a string of Doppelbox because I, uh, we have a bunch of them at the store, and I like Doppelbock. I know. What? I was surprised seeing all these Rams. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to start with? Uh, I mean, I feel. We kind of just got to start with the celebrator. Okay, so the first one we got here is a German, is an actual German Doppelbach, the Eyanger Celebrator. Has even has a little plastic goat on it. And we sacrificed a virgin to open it. Very caramely nose. Touch of red wine. I was going to say almost like a little bit of fig, it seems. You know, my first instinct is almost like, wow, it's almost bitter for a Doppelbach. Like, the caramel and, and figgy and dark fruit notes are are present. It's got a, like a... a uh, herbal... Bitter, roasty kind of... Yeah. It's got a little it's, bit... You know... It's more bitter than I remember. That's kind of my reaction to Like, huh, that's interesting. Um, I've had this a few times, but it is, it is, a um, uh, it's got a little bit of a, a, a bite to it, but no, they it just, go the fucking, whatchamacallit date on it. Yeah. Did you find the date or no, it's the fucking, I can't think of the word for the, where like the certain numbers. Yeah. Mean, they, they're basically a code Yeah, that they could, they can, we have no, yeah. I mean, I could Google it and decipher. And, anyway. Um, but that just seems like way too much effort. <laughs> I mean, it's good. The the extra bitterness um, does make it um, uh, does make it a little bit more drinkable. Um, yeah, I mean, still a solid Doppelbach, not as good as I remember. That's kind of my reaction. Like, I thought this was gonna be the the, but we haven't got into the rest of them yet, so may still be. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to try this uh, Occidental. You've not, have you not had the Lucubrator? I have not. Really? All right. I feel Occidental does a good job with those German styles because that's all they fucking do. I mean, it, they are really the exception that proves the rule when it comes to, a, a, um, you know. Do you have a big enough fucking Apple sticker on your phone? That's so I can fucking find it when I lay it down somewhere. Yeah, so I can find it. I'm <laughs> such a big Apple fucking fanboy that I, I need to really just advertise that I have an iPhone. <laughs> you feel better about yourself? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Sorry, you watch two teenagers blow each other in, <laughs> in front of my I house. I did not. 
I suspected you get, you get all so <laughs> we should probably now that now, now the cat's out of the bag. Um, <laughs> so Tyler arrived at my house before I got here, and as I so up, I decided to start reading the articles that I haven't read yet. <laughs> To get prepared for this podcast. <laughs> As I get out, Tyler kind of walks and says, Dude, I think those... You see those uh, 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 two kids in the car over there? I'm like, yeah, I think they were blowing each other. <laughs> I looked over at one point in time because they were parked in a different spot than when Jeremy pulled up. They were parked on the side of the house. And I looked over and I saw the girl, who was the driver, leaning over towards the guy's lap. And I saw a hand come up onto the top of her head. And I was like... Oh, this is not good. That's a bold move in front of your house. And then they pulled away and pulled into the driveway of the house. And I was like, well, that's a real bold move. Like, And Tyler hasn't been right since. He's been bitchy and like complainy and everything else. And it's just like, I think he's, I, th- I think he's pining away for, for his teenage days in Northern Idaho. Oh, I, I'm distressed because I'm like, I'm going to have a daughter. Please don't let her do that. Or that's even the worst. Like, oh my God, in 16 years, they're going to be doing that in front of our house. I'll fucking shoot a kid. <laughs> Could be my son, you know. So Tyler, why don't you kick us off today? Well, we got some sad news coming out of modern times. Uh, they put out a press release back on, I want to say it was Monday. Not seeing the date on the blog post. Uh but uh, basically announcing that they're closing some of their locations and kind of retreating back into a more Southern California-focused approach. Uh, so, little... It's green flash all over again. I'm honestly, getting, that's I, what it triggered I, in I'm my I'm getting mind. green flashbacks. <laughs> God damn it. See, God see, damn it. See what I did there? <laughs> God damn it. I'm right, I'm right proud of that. And this has been It's All Beer. <laughs> So, uh, modern... This will be the title of the episode, too. You know that, right? (laughs) It's going to be the least downloaded episode we've ever fucking put out. Thank God Ben has to drive to McCall. He'll download it. Hi, Ben. I told him I'd drop his name just to piss him off, so... There you go. Hi, Ben. Thank, uh, you for, thank you for tuning to, tuning into It's All Beer. I'm sorry. You drive to McCall. I'm sorry this episode's already a disappointment. Uh... So, Modern Times uh, put out, uh, Today's the most difficult day we've ever had at Modern Times. Over the last two unimaginably... That's, that's not true. Not true to them, not recently. <laughs> well, I wanted to read the first paragraph, and then we kind of get into what okay. has kind of transpired Sorry. over at Sorry, Modern I Times. interrupted. Go ahead. Uh, over the last two unimaginably challenging pandemic years. Uh, Last year was real tough for you guys too. We've done everything we sure. could to keep pandemic all years to keep all of our newly opened locations afloat in a landscape we never could have imagined when we began building them. As new leadership has stepped up, shocking it has, uh, and taken the helm over the last few weeks, it became clear that the financial state of the company that we are now tasked with directing is just unsustainable, but in immediate and unavoidable peril. As a result of this, we are forced to make some incredibly hard choices, which will, which while necessary for the health and continued success of the company, will result in many of the talented, hardworking staff losing their job. As of the end of this week, we, they will be closing their Portland, Oakland, Santa Barbara, and L.A. locations. Uh, they'll be keeping the Point Loma, North Park, Encinitas, and 
Anaheim locations open for the time being, but closing the Oakland, Santa Barbara. Yeah, the ones you yeah. Yeah, mentioned, yeah. Uh, which, so let's flash back to 2019. Modern Times out of San Diego was in a just aggressive state of expansion. We covered some of the expansion on this podcast where they were actually trying to crowdfund money to open new locations mm-hmm. through WeFund. I couldn't find the exact episode looking back through because Jeremy didn't put Modern Times in any of the description. I wasn't going to listen through all of them. So. I was going to say, I think it was a, that was also kind of a minor mention, I don't yep. think. Uh, we broke down like how much they were like yeah. the amount they were asking like we broke down well, the price per barrel and it was like exorbitantly high. Yeah. Well, and also to my defense, they massively changed how things are tagged in podcasting formatting. Uh-huh. It's a pain in the ass. Well, so they raised like 1. Point some million dollars uh to crowdfund a bunch of these new locations. In April of 2019, they then had the rest of 2019 before basically the pandemic came and hit them in the fucking face. Specifically, just them. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they got dragged in and we brought them up in the, was it the You Done Fucked Up Everyone episode? I mean, modern. Unfortunately, we really never covered modern times specifically because they their were, CEO stepped down, and then they yeah. never really said anything until but, like a month ago when their new CEO just got hired. But I mean, modern times was one of the. They were. They, I mean, they were one of the biggest implicated in the, uh, the the massive shitstorm that uh, Brianna Taylor, uh, not Brianna Taylor, um, shit. Oh, I'm spacing on her name. Um, it's also been a very long day for me. Anyway, the Instagram post uh, that essentially uh, 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 just you know it pretty much implicated a shit ton of breweries, including Modern Times. Yeah, uh, one month ago they announced Jennifer Briggs was going to be the new CEO of Modern Times. <laughs> uh, May nineteenth of twenty twenty one is when. The previous CEO and founder stepped down from Modern Times. So, took a little over a year for them to change up leadership. Uh, also, I mean, if you just take a kind of step back and look at Portland, Oakland, Santa, Bra- Santa Barbara, and L.A. Have been some of the more restricted areas for having a bar a restaurant or a brewery with COVID restrictions. Well, yeah, so is San Diego. So San Diego, but that's their home base. Okay. So you're, you're not going to back out of that. I mean, everywhere modern times is, is pretty well. Yeah. They don't have one here in Boise where I believe the, or if you had, it would have been different. I think they would have been in a much better financial state if they would have had one, let's say Austin, Texas or Orlando, Florida, or some of the States that have had a lot more lax, um, in the in the blog post where they kind of announced they were closing mm. this location, all these locations, uh, you know, they said they appreciate the staff doing everything they can to keep the lights on, but ultimately, just how slow that business has been and the rapid expansion 
all the money they I were think, taking in to try to expand? I should think it was more of, I mean, the pandemic surely didn't help things. But, I mean, I, I, I would almost point to it being more of a, of a, they're being a victim of their rapid expansion because... So, they did cite the rapid expansion uh, as one of the reasons. But it was four years of rapid expansion, the pandemic, and the decline in beer drinkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, with more people's preferences going to liquor or wine or seltzers, RTDs. Uh, but I think just from the tone of it, it almost seems like the pandemic's kind of getting most of the blame. Okay. And, and it kind of makes and not sense. And not the behavior of their staff or anything else. I was going to say, I they make no mention that I mean, the they, negative light their CEO put their founder put them in uh having anything to do with possibly lagging sales um give me one second because i i mean i we covered it um but let's what i think i want to refresh my memory on what um on uh on what they on what they were implicated with so uh why jeremy's looking that up uh they did say uh Several of those four locations are going to remain open. They'll be turning their distribution and hospitality efforts back to Southern California and the Southwest as they do everything to step away from the opacity and unanchored optimism of the past and build a smaller, smarter, more focused, and more equitable company for the future. Um, The... uh it was a uh, if so yeah they were I mean they were just one of the many many stories um, that uh, uh, Brianna Allen that was there Brianna Allen there we go um, uh, you know when she posted on Instagram basically you know the really really quick and you know the again the, go back and look at the episode y'all done fucked up um, the you know among the many many stories that that came in um, uh, was a was one incident uh, that someone reported of uh, an employee grabbing her crotch. Uh, yeah. At uh, at at modern times, uh, the CEO the CEO first uh, did not respond, um, and then eventually stepped down. So, uh, modern times came out and said, you know, like I mentioned before, uh, four years of rapid expansion, and we had talked so much about this before the pandemic struck, where so many bars were just so focused on opening extra tap rooms, extra tap rooms, and focusing on the on premise instead of on prem or off prem. And then when the pandemic hit, that really fucked all their plans. But uh, I'm not. I but, mean, here, here's the thing. I, I mean, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it's 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 impossible to ever run this counterfactual, obviously. But I'm not entirely sure that they wouldn't have found themselves in the same position without the pandemic. Because let's face. I mean, first of all, beer drinking was going down anyway. Yes. That was not a function of the pandemic. The pandemic didn't help. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I, but I don't think that's the cause. I think it hastened where they were. Where, where, I, 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 should I think. think it is the leading cause because you list off those four cities. Those are major metropolitan areas. If you still keep... And I'm assuming they crowdfunded a million dollars to try to fucking... Rapid expanse, and also I think there's a perceived like drop in quality too. I mean, there's there there are quality issues in play as well. From what I yeah, what what I've been you know. I mean, let's take a look. A couple of years ago, if we saw 
had a modern time spear that tasted like what we had last week, yeah, we would have been dumbfounded. <laughs> so I I could see that drop in quality because expansion too fast, too too far, but none of those places they listed are cheap places to build. No, a new tap room. No, absolutely so you're not. dumping a lot of money in there, but you're expecting. Because of the large populations, the and your name. name Modern Times, it's going to be full at capacity. It's almost what happened to Beer 30 here locally when they died in the pandemic. Because they needed to operate at almost full capacity all the time to keep the lights on. But I was, And so when well, I think there's also you something. were restricted, yeah, yeah. it really just kind of hamstring, hamstrung it. And ever, let's be honest. I scrolling back through our old episodes, we were making a joke out of this fucking pandemic and locked <laughs> locked down the first couple episodes. Yes. And now two two years in, we're still having to fucking deal with it. I mean, it, it, it occurred to me that, you know, in, during the length of this podcast, um, we've done more episodes uh, when there was been a pe- when there was a pandemic than there are without one. Fuck. <laughs> Think about that, let that little fact set in. And wow. <laughs> um, but so they did tie in a couple. I mean, we had talked about how when our brewery is basically going to stop trying to grow so fast. And we've brought up a bunch of times the no man's land of size of breweries where you either have to get bought out or buy someone to keep growing. Yeah. Or drop down. And modern times really is the first brewery. That we've seen say, we're going to step back. We're going to grow. We're going to get smaller. Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I mean, not to, not to this dramatic effect, but Dogfish Head did something similar at one point in time. Although not with the multiple tap rooms. But. I mean, they pulled out of several states. They pulled out of several states, but then they eventually got right. bought. Uh, but in the. To, to, fa- fair enough. And that might, that might, that might prove my point. So, uh, <laughs> and also Green Flash, I don't think is, you know, I mean, it came but to they, mind. They bankrupted right around when we were starting this podcast. Yeah. So they were kind of the one we never really talked about. Well, we did, well, actually, we, we did a whole episode on them. Well, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, in retrospect, and, the, and, but my point is, is that, I mean, Green Flash is also kind of a good analogy for, I mean, because they had this atmospheric, you know, at, just, rise. Yeah. And then, I mean, now theirs was, I mean, theirs was almost an explosion and then a collapse. Much, yeah. you know, a, a, a much faster uh, version of what's currently happening and in I modern And I almost market. wonder if the CEO doesn't step down from modern times, if they don't follow the green flash path a lot closer, mm-hmm. where they collapse and try to push it too far. And then just completely die because that's my baby. Whereas with the new CEO, she came in and basically was like, yeah, no, we need to ax these. We need to pull back. And in the statement, they actually said, we need to get smaller, smarter, and faster. We need to invest in our people and build up rather than out. Which I was like, kind of fitting. You say you need to try to build up your employees when you've had... The culture of sexually harassing them, but um, you know, um, well, and also I wonder about. I, I also wonder about the the wisdom of building satellite tap rooms 
in cities with their own unique beer culture. Portland it comes mm-hmm. to, you know comes to mind. Trying to break into Portland and seems it, to be a if question. you're going to do that, finance it yourself, not <clears throat> try to finance. And they mentioned in there, build things they can afford, not try to basically take a bunch of money to build something they hope they can repay. <laughs> Focus on actually achieving it before they can uh pay for it yeah there's a there's a fun idea as well (laughs) (laughs) so i'll be curious to see what happens uh but in my mind every brewery i've ever seen that's kind of pulled back it's never really benefited financially i don't i I can't I'm i'm i was actually trying to think of a brewery that pulled back like regained themselves and then and went forward Yeah, and went forward. But also, I mean, we're talking about an industry that's at best, what, four, 50 years old. And so I don't think we've had a long enough time to see. I a, mean, at, at best, let's call it 88. That's when Deschutes, Goose Island, yeah, yeah. your class of 88. So it's 40. So yeah, 40, 42. Um, yeah. So yeah, just, yeah, a slightly, uh, slightly older than me. Yeah. Um, um, so I, we may have not have, this, this thing may not have existed long enough for us to see if, you know, I mean, Green Flash may in fact be a, a another good, uh, a, another good example of, cause they may very well collapse back, focus on themselves, repair their but image. And then again, Sweetwater just, but also, yeah, Sweetwater, oh, never mind. Sweetwater bought them. So it's, I don't think someone can pull back re- refocus and get back to previous self without someone else buying in modern times is on my deadpool modern times is on my deadpool (laughs) they were on mine too (laughs) so good thing we're not doing the deadpool this year so i'll be curious to see what happens if they're able to do that or if they ultimately have to sell or ultimately start shuttering the other locations one by one I think if this pan, these lockdown restrictions and mask mandates still keep going, I could see slowly those Southern California tap rooms that they have start closing. Yeah, it's possible. Um, although I, th- I mean, well, I mean, we're at, we're at the point where I think you're you're looking at a whole bunch of of entities going. Yeah, we can continue to hold on, but you know, why bother? Yeah. So. Um, so I think if it if we see another surge in the COVID nineteen pandemic, I could see modern times struggling more and more. Their best chance is this is was basically the last wave. They can regroup and continue forward. I mean, also they need to be making better beer because I the last couple of modern times beers I have have been at best underwhelming, and that's kind of what I also what I was reading. You know, as I was kind of reading comments and. And you know, you know, take it take it with a grain of salt. You know, people on the internet are people on the internet. I also think a lot of their like truly good beers, they were saving for their own tap rooms, and you had to be a part of their membership club because they did address that in there where people members who had their default like home membership of one of the closing tap rooms needed to reach out to them. They'd work out a deal to try to get their remaining member bottles to I mean, them and well that's all well and good but if you're but if your success depends on 
on um, on um, you know bringing people into your tap room, and you've got beers out in the market in your supermarkets and bottle shops and what have you, and those are subpar on the you know for someone like me who's not a regular at Modern Times, and looking at you know going to going to Los Angeles and seeing a hundred thousand different freaking craft breweries. You know, if my last experience with Modern Times, you know, was, it, meh. was meh, then guess which one I'm not going to hit. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if, the, if the strategy is, no, we're going to keep our best stuff in the tap room and kind of send marginal stuff out in the market. Well, that's a shitty goddamn uh, uh, marketing strategy as well. Because yeah. you're not, because if, because yeah, I'm not really going to that and, tap And room. I feel 2019 logic was, fuck what goes out in the market or we don't send anything out to the market. We keep our tap rooms full. Because I mean, yeah, if they, that's where the margin if, was, and then if the twenty consen- twenty kind of rethought everyone. If the consensus was indeed, you know, you know, we're going to, you know, we're our biggest focus is going to be a tap room. Then yeah, twenty twenty fucked you right in a special spot. So, and I mean, running according to that, it was seven or eight tap rooms. That's no easy thing. From a management perspective, from a financials perspective, and then also now having the expenses of seven tap rooms mm-hmm. not being at full operational capacity, that seems like you're getting dicked real good. <laughs> so. uh, well, I think we, we I think it's time to open up another Doppelbach before we uh, yep. uh, before we get to the next story. So, what's up next, Jeremy? Shall I pick one? Yep. Um, let's do let's do the Luca Bretor since. Mentioned you have not had that one yet. Uh, this is from... So, that was the one Doppelbach we had uh, that was produced in Germany, the Eye Anger. This is uh, produced in Portland from uh, Occidental, the Luca Bretor. Um, again, kind of a similar nose, caramely, fruity. <coughs> Much... Got yeah, a little bit of a smoother. Dare I say, tart isn't the right word, but that's kind of, but it's the first word that comes to mind. I mean, it's not. It's like a fruity tartness, but like it, a, it, like a little bit of acidity, just a little bit of yeah. acidity. Not like sa- like not like a. Sa- it's not sour, but it's, it's got a higher acidity. Way smoother, uh, but yeah, at that back end, you almost get like you're almost biting into kind of a plum. You're getting a little bit of that. The, the funny thing is, is that all the same flavors are there, right? You got your, you've got your uh, caramel, you've got your like dark fruit, your date, your fig, you've got your a little bit of roasty bite, but the difference is, it's almost like it just a, a slight tweaking of intensity of different, you know, almost like you got a soundboard, you got the same sounds yes. you're working with, you're just moving the slider, some of the sliders up and some of the sliders down, and instead of the celebrator being a little more roasty, this one. Is a little bit a little acidic, bit, a little bit, a little bit more malty, but balanced. I mean, the the celebrator felt like malty balanced with bitterness. This seems malty balanced with acid a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like tart acid. It's it's not the right descriptor for it because like, like I know that flavor from somewhere, I, but I can't put. A I mean, word to I it. mean, I always want to say plum, like the 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 the, the skin of a plum that's yeah. sharply tart. But yeah, but not I mean, sour. But not sour. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <kind of> pre- 
People listen to that. I, I don't know what they're talking about anymore. Go <laughs> buy this beer and you will taste what we're talking about. Um, anyway, shall we? What do we got next on the news cycle? Oh, hair of the dog. We hardly knew ye news now. Um, might be the next theme of the next few years of the generation of beer brewers and entrepreneurs hang up their spurs, turn in their badge, and start really getting really excited about the 4 p.m. special at Golden Corral. Um, that's how you have bar fights breaking out at Golden Corral. <laughs> no, I think that's when the, I think you think you get that when they bring out a new round of ribs or some shit, you know, it's, well, it happened and like chairs really, were being thrown. It's not really a bar fight. It's more of a stampede. <laughs> rattle, rattle. Here comes the cattle. <laughs> um, Alan Sprintz. Uh, the owner and brewmaster at Hair of the Dog uh, in Portland announced this week that he would be retiring. But instead of selling the brewery, he decided that he would retire the brand as well. Um, Sprints said on the brewery Facebook page that he is not closing immediately. Uh, there's still quite a lot of backstock to work through, as well as a few new beers to release before he's done. But once the beer is gone, it's gone. Uh, if you've never heard of Hair of the Dog... Um, they were one of the original West Coast breweries that were doing really, really big beers consistently as opposed to like a one-off. And they were one of the pioneers of barrel aging. In fact, um, in Portland, he was barrel aging beer at a time when the concept was really still kind of a, a you know, a relic of like oldie. They're know. like, why are you doing old style? Yeah. Like... Why? Yeah. Like a barrel who uses a barrel type, yeah. you know, um, they made these stainless steel tanks that yeah. you could be using. You don't need to use wood. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, and that really was a quirk of the brewer himself. To quote an interview he gave in the Oregonian, quote, I never liked that full feeling of too much beer. So when I started drinking beer, I gravitated towards stronger beer. Beers you could have one or two of and get the same feeling as if you had six. So when I thought about opening a brewery, <clears throat> excuse me, when I thought about opening a brewery, I thought if I made those, I'd have a place. Um, and while everyone was else, el- everyone else in Portland was using IBUs as a de facto dick measuring competition, um, he became known for those really deep, rich, boozy beers with names like Fred, Adam, Bob, or Lila. Um, Which I love the reason why he chose to name the beers how he named them. Mm-hmm. Does the article um, you have specify it, that? Not or? specify. I mean, it has a quote from. It has a quote from. I'll read the quote and then you can kind of elaborate. Um, again, in this interview in the Oregonian, beers are all individuals. They're all unique, just like you and I. Most brewers at the time um, would name their beer you know, name their beers. They were all like porters and stouts and pale ale. But they didn't have an identity. So I thought giving these beers the beers names, who uh, uh, would not only not only remember the people I wanted to honor, but also give the beers their own identity. Now I wasn't. Now I didn't. I think that's the same exact quote I okay. was looking at. So <laughs> we're good there. <laughs> I but say, I thought that that's also a genius like marketing. Tactic. I didn't know. If, so I didn't know if there was something specific about these pe- these mm-hmm. people that he was you know named the beers after. Not that I didn't want to. Or if they were just like the time pers- and personal. research. I'm, I'm sure aware. each person like Fred or whatever ha- had someone. Yeah, yeah. If you were to sit down with him, would actually he'd be like, yes, this person was this to me. Uh, but I also thought. I mean, think about if you are a craft beer drinker and you walk in and you see a beer with your fucking name on it, <laughs> you're gonna order one. <laughs> it could be the worst beer you've ever tasted, but you're ordering at least one. 
Um, I did one better in my brief stint as a sort of kind of uh, a brewer in the uh, last tap room I worked for. They did like little, little, little um, small batches, like literally homebrew sized batches. Um, but my naming convention was I'd be walking around the tap room and what have you. Someone would say something weird. I'd stop and go, I'm naming a beer that. Mm-hmm. And then they would come back and <laughs> get the beer they named. So, but you're, but I mean, you're right. It does give people some ownership. I, yeah, it ties them into the brewery. Um, and this is the one brewery that I've always wanted to go visit, but never actually stopped at. Oh, I did. Fun. Here's a fun. All right, here's a fun story about my trip at, uh, to Hair of the Dog. Um, so we, um, so me and my friends are doing basically a you know, Portland trip. And that was the first, that was the first place we stopped at that morning. We were there, there, we're there 10, 11 o'clock, right when they opened, I think. Um, we basically just filled up on voodoo donuts. We went to go start our day at (laughs) one of the strongest breweries in in town. So, you know, um, but we're sitting there, we, you know, we've got a pint or something and all of a sudden the entire building shakes, like to the point where like, it's coming down on me. I say, is this an? We kind of go. We this an earthquake? Now, the building is in the industrial section, right by a railroad track, and below a freeway. And so, me and my friends and everybody else like walk out into the walk out the front into the street. Above us, a tra- <laughs> there was a tractor trailer that had like run that that had like hit the uh, uh, the side of the the that run to the side of the freeway and was hanging over the <laughs> the front. Of, the, of and you know, kind of like a second from falling directly into the brewery. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't, to my knowledge, but <laughs> all right. So that was my experience. of hair of the dog was nearly dying from a truck falling on my head. Um, anyway, um, hair of the dog uh, is and remains one of the most sought-after breweries in the world. Um, Sprint's uh, Sistine Chapel was a beer known as Dave. It was a 29% barley wine aged for 19 years, in uh, first in oak barrels for a few years, um, and then went to the bottle. Um, uh, the last bottle, which was aged 19 years, um, went for... Two grand, right? $2,000, yes. It started, it basically, when, he, when he, the story is when he, first, um, when he first made it and poured it to, you know, to try it himself, he's like, God, that's way too hot. But he started off charging... I want to say a, a, like a couple hundred bucks for it. And as years went by and it got better and deeper and more interesting, he upped the price. <laughs> I didn't know that he actually was the one who was able to get the two grand for it. I thought it was on secondary market. So good for him. So, you know, keep that in mind when you're bitching about $30 balls of Fremont. <laughs> yeah. still won't care. Um, and get this, despite... That Fremont wasn't aged for 19 years, so... Despite the brewery's international recognition, do you know how big their how, how big their sister was? 15 barrels? Um, it, they never grew past 600 barrels a year. Holy fuck! On a four-barrel brew house. What the fuck? <laughs> to put this in context, if you've heard us talking about kings and convicts buying Ballast Point... Kings and Convicts, when they purchased Ballast Point, was producing 400 barrels more a year than Hair of the Dog. And right. Hair of the Dog founded in, what, 99? Something like that, yes. 98. So, so, a legacy brand never 
was about fifty percent of what Kings and Convicts produced. I mean, it's hard to it, it's hard to give yeah you know, anybody because but imagine like imagine like one of the smaller breweries in your hometown, right? I mean, you know, they they they're not widely distributed. They may not even have much of a grocery store presence. They probably produce somewhere in and around six hundred barrels a year. Yeah, um, and and, and you kind of wait. That's it. <laughs> and like the legacy brand and that. That city specifically, like the craft beer mecca. How did you only? You can charge two thousand bucks a bottle. <laughs> um, but uh, like I said, uh, hair of the dog remains open for now to those who want to make the pilgrimage to Portland to pay their to say their final goodbyes. Sprint says not know when it will end. Um, the end will pro- will uh, uh, he says sometime uh, at the end of the summer. But it'll presumably happen when the last fermenter is drained and the last bottle of Fred leaves the shells. Um, and then at that point in time, Hair of the Dog takes its rightful place in the craft beer history. Yeah, uh, which I am planning a trip over to the Oregon coast for salmon fishing in April. So I will meet up with my dad before Portland. We carpool over together. And I'm like, I think that morning we stop in Portland, even though Portland traffic is such a clusterfuck. Uh, and just, I'm forcing my dad to go to hair of the dog. <laughs> is that, is that going to be a much of a task? I don't, I mean, dad, we're going to a brewery. If the, if the answer isn't okay, then I don't understand your father. <laughs> He'll be like, really? I mean, he's a light beer drinker and also has a CDL. So he, if he is driving, has to be very careful if he has anything to drink. Okay. Because his alcohol limit is like 0.02. Okay. But he still, so, does, but he still like enjoys beer, right? Yeah. Normally his go-to is Keystone Light. Okay. So, so I mean, it's an educational moment it, for him. It'll be a harder sell on this one than like another brewery that I could be like, yeah, just order that blonde or uh, that lager. But be like, hey, this was one of the, like the OG craft beers. They're closing at the end of this summer. Like, I need to go. I, I need to go uh, lay some flowers down. Like, this is a mo- in memoriam. We're going for one beer and jamming out. <laughs> also, when my dad travels, he's like, uh, okay, I'm gonna leave my my hometown at uh two in the morning. So I'll meet you at where we're gonna drop your car. At about 5 in the morning, so that way we can get to the Oregon coast by about 8 in the morning. And I'm going to be like... Christ. Yeah, like... My dad goes to work at about 2 in the morning, so it makes it... Good Christ. (laughs) It makes traveling... I'm like, fuck, dude, I'm not going to sleep the night before. I mean, it sounds like you just, like, just... You just, like, have someone in a wheelbarrow just put throw you in the back of the car and... And fucking drive overnight. Yeah. Just don't sleep and then sleep where you're going to meet him. Yeah, I've thought about it. <laughs> All right, Tyler, what do you got? Well, uh, got a little update on Kieran. Um, so we've talked, the owner of New Belgium and, fuck, who'd they just recently buy? Um, uh, Bells. Bells. <laughs> I, was going, I'm like there, I was so angry at my brain there for a second. I'm like going, come on. It was only the biggest story this year. This yeah. is this is why I should not do this podcast at the end of a like, kind of a hard day because it's just my brain's this like. This is what we do for our listeners. <laughs> we put our bodies through hell. Uh, well, Japanese brewer Kieran 
is exiting Myanmar, and they're looking to sell two of their brewery units. Um, so we had talked. It was a whole big kerfuffle when New Belgium that's agreed. One way, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> when New Belgium agreed to sell to Little Creatures, Lion Beverage, Kieran, because of their ties to the Myanmar military. And uh, and again, I will, you know just to clarify, um, Kieran's ties to the Myanmar military were basically the so the 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 uh, the Myanmar military owned stock in Kieran. Yep. So uh, their partner is the Myanmar Economic Holding Public Company Limited, yes. which is basically a military organization that owns stock in them that funds the military that led the coup for. Against the democratically elected government last year in Myanmar. Who says genocide isn't fun? <laughs> uh, so, um, Kieran uh, expressed its regret over the actions of the military seizing power by force in Myanmar last February. Uh, and has now decided to withdraw from the country af- a year after the coup. And said... Um, it was going to terminate its joint venture partnership with the MEHPCL, which provides the service of welfare fund management for the military. Uh, it is also going to be selling its two business units in the country, the Myanmar Brewery LTD and the Mandalay Brewery LTD, according to a Kieran spokesperson. So they are fully cutting ties with that country. As best they can. I mean, that's I mean, that's sort of commendable. I, I because I, I would there, there's something to be said for the fact that they, they they could very well have said, listen, we do not have control who owns our stock. We pay dividends to those people who own our stock. And that's kind of the approach they took when all this came out. They took that approach. We kind of covered it, and we were like, hey, you know, it's fucked up, but. But I mean, welcome to I mean, welcome to capitalist economy. You know, ec- they they really have no right outside of forcing a buyback and losing a lot of money. Uh, separately, they did say it would buy back up to three point six percent of its shares worth, about four hundred thirty three point three one million dollars for a giant. You know, megalomani- megalomaniacal. Uh, this you know, is about as most humanistic as. A corporation can get. I mean, it's it's it's. I say vaguely commendable. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it's about as about a good as outcome as one could could hope for. At least when it, you know, it comes to Kieran and. And I mean, I'm sure it, all the former employee owners of New Belgium are going good. You know, the current employees of New Belgium who brought up some of these issues are saying overdue, but we're glad to see it. Sure, Larry Bell is sitting there going, "Well, <laughs> that makes my choice look better." I mean, I'm not. Sh- well, I mean, maybe it was because it was already a known quantity, but for some reason, I don't think Bell's had quite the blowback, and that really no. wasn't. And that wasn't a lot of blowback. It was enough that to. Th- it that, was a kerfuffle. <laughs> it was enough that that uh, um, that I believe um, New Belgium had to address it. Yeah, they had to address it, and. I think the reason, the big reason New Belgium really had to address it was some of their former or their current employees had brought it up before the sale, mm-hmm. but like they were new enough, they didn't have stock. Right. So they weren't ESOPed in. And so they 
couldn't really vote no against it. And so they were like, well, hey, this is going on. Like, I don't think we stand for something like that. We shouldn't sell. But I can't really do anything. Uh, we're kind of against genocide as a, as a general principle. Look at my Birkenstocks. Yeah. And all the other employees... Why do, we, why do we talk like this? It's kind of weird. All the other ESOP people were like, yeah, we agree. But did you see how many zeros are going to come our way? So and, many so many zeros. And they're like, all in favor? Zeros. <laughs> is that everybody in New Belgium have that weird cadence of talking? Yeah. Or is that just a, is that a Colorado thing? I think is that, it's Colorado. Is that thing. a Colorado accent? Is that what you were doing? I wasn't sure. It's been a while since I've been there. I mean, that's how South Park makes it seem. So. <laughs> well, if anybody can do a Colorado accent, it would be the good people. They're the so. most well-known people in Colorado, I feel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, actually, I can't. It, I was going to say, prove I, me wrong. I can't. I, I, at this point in time, I don't think I could name a Colorado native more famous than the, than those two. So, yeah, I, the people are screaming at their radio right now going, just naming off a whole bunch of extremely famous Colorado natives that I... Yeah, but honestly, let's sit down. Who knows about South Park? Everyone. And more importantly, who dropped acid during the Oscars? More importantly, <laughs> who created the exquisite movie Two Basketball and Orgasmo? <laughs> To this day, I've never seen Orgasmo. Oh, dude. I, honestly, um, that is your level of humor. I think you would die. But basketball I, is I, I one love, of my favorite But movies. I do love basketball. I, I, like, I, I have that one, and every once in a while I pop that in. And it's... Dude. Okay. My homework for you before the end Fuck of February you. is you watch Orgasmo, and you give us the review on the podcast. This is not a. This is not a. No, 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 you watch two kids blow each other in the in the in the driveway, and suddenly you think I'm running this podcast. It's the only way to get my dignity back. Why can't I get a blowjob? Bullying me across the table does not get your dick sucked, Tyler. Oh yes, it does. Jeremy, you know why I don't? Because I'm married. And <laughs> we just lost all our listeners. With with a kid on the way, so your blowjob days are over, let me tell you. <laughs> and once that kid comes, I'm fucked. No, you're not. Now that's the problem. <laughs> I'm hosed. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, Jeremy, what do we got next? Who says a pandemic is the worst time to start a craft brewery news now? I thought this was a nice little change of pace. Um... Before we went on our break, we had a chance to talk to uh, 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 Jeff Paradis. Is it Paradis or Paradis? I, I, okay. I would say Paradis. What, what did he... Jeff, he, I'm sorry if I fucked up, but... I, anyway, um, Paradis. Um, I think, I, I, think I, I, pronounced, I think I pronounced it that way. Then he pronounced it a way that made much more sense. And um, when we signed off, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's much better. And I can't oh, it probably, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but I don't care. <laughs> parody. I think it was parody. I think he pronounced it. I think he pronounced it. Well, I'm going to go with parody because I think that's how he, how he. Uh, uh, Jeff, we're sorry. We <laughs> fucked up your last it's, name. It's Tyler's fault. <laughs> anyway, uh, we had a, t- J- J- Jeff, we had a chance to talk to Jeff. Whatever the owner of Blue Pit Brewing. In beautiful Mountain Home, Idaho. Oh, stop <laughs> sucking up. No one's ever called Mountain Home beautiful. I, 
Not even the city itself. And my beautiful mountain home. Listen, they have a brewery now. It's fine. You just like let me get to the next line that I wrote. (laughs) Anyway, among the things that we talked about, um, and you can find that entire conversation uh, in on episode eighty six, we talked about what it was like for one brewery to get their start during a pandemic. Um, Now, given the shutdowns that we've, of course, have talked about ad nauseum. And you know, and then the financial strain, financial strain, the supply chain issues, and the general instability. Of the time one might think this is the worst possible time to open a business, and there is some evidence to suggest that might be the case. But that doesn't hasn't stopped a surge in new businesses, and more than a few craft breweries making their grand opening in a time of limited seating, social distancing, and wiping down every surface like you're an OCD house cleaner. In fact, according to the an article in the Washington Post. An article headlined Hops, Hope, and Hardiness, How to Start a Craft Beer Pub in a Pandemic. There has been a surge in business creation in the last year, um, running 35% above, every month above pre-pandemic levels. Oh, damn. Now, keep in mind, that's all businesses, you know, uh, you know, uh, um, as reported by the sense, or by, reported by uh, tax documents. Um, all businesses... Um, there's been a spike in the last year and a half or so. And on some level, that makes sense. A lot of people are out there, got laid off, started selling macrame poop emojis or some shit on Etsy, and now is pulling down 100 grand a day, according to pretty much every ad I see at the bottom of every news story I read. <clears throat> um, however, uh, craft beer is slightly different, but a, in a different, in an interesting story is emerging. And it's not one of people looking around at the world we find ourselves in right now and saying, yep, this is the perfect time. Right now, this is the optimal time to open a brewery. I mean, it, as we've talked about, I mean, as we kind of talked about with Jeff, um, whenever, um, you know, to, to get started, it takes a bit of time and a lot of money. And by the time you're, you're ready to open a brewery, you've dropped tens of thousands of dollars, if you're lucky, if you got out cheap. Yeah, um, which could easily float into the hundreds of thousands or even a, topping a million if you're having to build a building. Mm-hmm. Um, the point is you got a lot of cash sitting, sitting in a very large building in a very trendy part of town. You probably don't have the option of just kicking back and waiting for a few years for this shit to go away. So it really is a story of a lot of people trying to push through because their other option is cutting your losses and walking away, which at that point in time... Is also is not really an option either. That's almost worse than trying to wait it out. Um, the Post article I read uh, follows uh, James Warner opening City State Brewing in D.C. And most of the article talks about how he got to this point. It's a pretty familiar story if you've you know if you've been reading how people start a brewery. Um, but for him, the biggest roadblock was getting financing, which has been a common thread. Uh, I know if you've listened throughout the whole series of It's All Beer, we had Chris from Gem State on. That's but He's had a piece of land that he owns outright that he was going to open the brewery on, and his biggest problem has been financing, so he still hasn't owned because when he was trying to finance is when the <laughs> pandemic really kicked off and... And there weren't a lot of people looking to put a bunch of money into, into a, a beer... Or anything that, if it involves a whole lot of people gathering in one place. They weren't investing. (laughs) That's just like, "Mm, we're going to hold back. 
Um, actually, we need to have Chris back on because uh, he's I, I did I've run into him a couple times and gotten an update, and uh, it's probably it, <laughs> it's about time we have him back on. Have him come on. Tell tell us everything that's happened in the past couple of years. Um, but anyway, um, uh, he had been working on this for a number of years and raised quite a lot of money uh, by himself and through friends and investors. And by February of 2020, he had signed a lease on a space put a deposit down on equipment, and hired a contractor to start building the brewery itself. And then that's where shit kind of went sideways, right? Yep. Um, uh, the normal banks uh, put, his request, put his request on hold at first because of the influx of PPP applications um, and then rejected was rejected by those banks who, and probably not unfairly, uh, looked at a brewery in 2020 as a giant pile of money on fire that they weren't exactly keen on perpetuating um he eventually did manage to raise money uh through more investors city 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 and state grants as well as an opportunity zone fund that grants money to help build businesses in the in depressed areas of town okay um and that's how he eventually managed to get uh get his business started and he's hoping he's hoping to uh um to be profitable within six years. But of course, you know, his story and you know, the one I'm about to tell also, I mean, you're, you're also having to start a, start a tap room in a time where think, although things are getting more and more relaxed, we're not quite there yet. The Charlotte, Still not out of the woods. The, the Charlotte business journal tells the story of a new Carolina brewery called Royal bliss. And of course they had to start selling off a lot of their beers to in to go formats. They don't have a lot of packaging, so they ended up blowing through a year's worth of Crowler cans in a month. Damn. Um, they moved to good old-fashioned Growlers, and when those were gone, they literally started filling up anything customers could bring to bring them. They filled up milk jugs, wine bottles. If they could put beer in it, they would put beer in it and sell it to you. <laughs> Damn. Um, but the stories are very similar like that, trying to figure out how to make make a go of it selling to go, but without a history and infrastructure and knowledge about what things were like before and how to run uh, this kind of business when shit isn't being uh, uh, piped directly into the fan is going to be a challenge. I mean, a lot of people are like, you know, a lot of these breweries, you know, they've, you know, their entire experience has been during the pandemic and they've made it work Mm -hmm. one way or another, but there's still a whole lot of, we haven't really run a tap room yet. Or, distribution or there's a whole lot of growing pains that they still have left to figure out. I mean, imagine like doing something for the better part of a year or two years and still having really no idea how to do what you're how doing. to do it under normal circumstances. I mean, yeah. a lot of them talk about, um, again, about it being the opposition of not really knowing what normal looks like as seen from uh, a brewery owner. Um, but, Lately, though, I got to admit, I when it, since I've been feeling a lot since we started this podcast. Like we're we we kind of started right at the end of a really nice party. We got here just as the last good beer is being downed, and people were starting to shuffle out of the door. And it, all that was left was a bowl of half-eaten dip and a six-pack of Zima. Um, I don't know what the future holds, but the fact that there, I mean, there's a the fact that there's still a lot of people out there betting big on craft beer, betting their entire livelihoods and their futures on this industry mm-hmm. and doing so now. Give me a strange bit of hope. No, I, I've, I'm not too worried about 
the craft beer industry. I think it's going to change from what we thought of it three, four years ago. But, and I've said this before, I think the trend of craft beer is almost the trend of beer in like Belgium and that, where it is, you have your local brew pubs for what part of town you live in, where you live, and that's where you frequent. It's, you don't go to the neighborhood bar, you go to the neighborhood brewery. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's going to be where this continues to trend. And you'll have a couple big regional players that occupy good space on grocery store shelves and mix in with the locals. And then you continue on. Speaking of locals, we uh, opened up the uh, Payette Doppelbox sometime in the middle of, uh, uh, well, sometime in, during your story and mine. Uh, what do you think of this one? This is Pretty solid. Um, kind of... In a way, the most balanced out of the two of them, it's really I, the, it, it's very smooth. Uh, I was originally, but it's the most muted. I would say that's a good word for it. I was a little bit put off by the aroma. I, sw- I swear I was detecting like sulfur. Like the, I mean, when I first smelled it, um, I'm like sitting there going matchstick. I I couldn't get any of that. But um, now that's now I that, also poured after that can had set open for. A minute or two. Yeah. So. Now that's now that's somewhat dissipated. Now I don't. I'm not. I mean, when I first poured it and smelled it, it was a little bit jarring. But it seems to have either I've gotten used to it or or it's dissipated. Yeah. I mean, good flavor on it. Uh, I think where the previous two have been bolder flavors, but then usually a strong flavor at the end. This has been a little more muted flavors and a smoother yeah. finish at the end. I mean, if you could, I often compare like flavor profiles to like a sound, like a you know, like a sound wave, and some of you have the like these high peaks and low troughs and are very dynamic. This one is not so much. I mean, this is a very approachable doppelbock for someone looking to try the style for the first time. That's a good way. Of, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not hugely sweet. It's not hugely bitter. It's, it's not going to be the best Doppelbock you've ever tried, but it's not going to be off-putting. No, that's a, it's, it's quite nice. Solid little Doppelbock, and we'll kind of transition in. Not really. <laughs> no. Tried to think if I could spin it. Uh, <laughs> Monster Beverage is back in the news when it comes to beer. I was worried that that would be the last we ever heard of Monster. That's not even close. <laughs> let's let's face it. The I mean, among the future things we're going to see is a whole bunch of random companies going, "Ooh, we can get into alcohol now. Let's just buy us a craft brewery." And Monster is among them, but it's getting weirder from here. Yeah. So, uh, Monster Beverage and Constellation are in merger talks right now. And if you're like, "Why does Constellation sound good?" Jeremy, would you like to let them know? <laughs> Who that player is? I mean, if you're if, if you're not familiar, um, you know, go go back listen to Ballast Point Blues Part One or Two. Um, but the the short story is during the height of of craft beer uh, acquisition craziness, 2015, Ballast Point Brewing was bought for a record one billion dollars, a number that has not has not been beaten because it was stupid. Um, it was overpriced at the time. <laughs> Um, by Constellation Brands, who proceeded to run it like garbage, <laughs> and and then they sold it to Kings and Convicts, who we who we uh, mm-hmm. uh, mentioned for 
what, 300 million, 600 million? Yeah, a lot less than they paid for. I mean, uh, I think it was like 120. Or 120. I mean, yeah. For the, uh, it was pennies on the dollar. <laughs> uh, but if you're like, well, why do I remember Monster from this podcast? They just completed the purchase of Canarchy, uh, the owners of Squatters, Wasatch. Oscar Blues, Deep Ellum, Cigar City, and anyone else. I'm surprised I'd be you missing. got Deep Ellum before Cigar City. Deep Ellum is always the one I forget, and I always so, go, like, oh, yeah, Oscar Blues, Wasatch, Cigar City, someone else I can't fucking remember. Yep. So um, there's been talks between the two, uh, according to the article I saw on Bloomberg.com, uh, where they cited sources of people familiar with the matter. Uh, it could be reached in the next coming weeks if negotiations proceed smoothly. Uh, uh, the sources have asked to remain anonymous. Uh, and they would have a combined market value of about $90 billion. Uh, shares uh, of both Monster and Constellation have dropped during this period. Uh but I think if that option of the merger gets closer, you're going to see the stock price take through the roof. Um, but with this here, it would offer a lot more growth potential and get Constellation kind of back into the craft beer market. Uh, as well Which- as offer a different spin this article actually talks about that I didn't think of because... Constellation is heavily invested in some cannabis companies, mm-hmm. which good tie-in with Oscar Blues, notable stoners. Yeah. Uh, but THC infused or CBD infused Monster Energy drinks. Oh Christ! Did, I I never even thought. Fucking Kyle's maybe stoners. Are, are there or the ultimate monstrosity a alcoholic energy drink with THC for those who want to ruin every neuron they have? So it, it, the article says any deal would create a Can unique combination of energy drinks, alcoholic beverage, and potentially marijuana. I was about to say, can you imagine being wired? hammered and stoned at the same time i'm like well actually yeah i can that pretty much describes every all my entire college experience and stealing cocaine <laughs> while drinking I mean, yeah. yeah there's that too <laughs> uh but it, it would kind of also signal that the craft beer market is still a decent bet from major corporations with consolation kind of getting back into the craft beer Making that bet because the purchase of Monster is not just purchasing an energy drink. You're purchasing Canarchy as mm-hmm. well. You're making that lean in saying, we can look for alcohol outside of the domestic. Let's Whether it's in low alcohol, whether it's in RTDs, THC, CBD drinks, you're, you're kind of creating a total beverage company with Constellation Monster and Canarchy to say any type of beverage you want to drink we can produce say, it. How you know just give us a list of how you want to feel after drinking this. <laughs> like here's a flow chart. Take us through, highlight what you want and we'll mix we'll it, make it. We'll mix it up and we'll put it directly in your face. Yeah. Uh there is a whole thing if this goes through 
what's going to happen because Coca-Cola is a major investor in Monster and would they want to be associated with a company that has its hands in THC? I mean, they haven't shied away so far. Although, fun fact... um... But Monster has no ties to THC where if Constellation gets in with their heavy investment in Canopy Growth, if Coca-Cola would try to back out or if Constellation would try to purchase Coca-Cola's share to give them an easy exit out. And so that's going to present a unique opportunity uh, for Coca-Cola to basically have direct exposure to a growth category they've kind of shied away from. Well, and I mean, here's something to think about. Um, I don't think I've, uh, we talked about this uh, because it really didn't warrant much, but I mean, uh, Tilray, the, um, uh, the company that bought, Sweetwater Slaughter and, and Green Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also in talks with Anheuser Busch uh, to develop THC infused beverages. Anheuser Busch um, recently pulled out of that deal. Okay. And so that that has officially been tanked. Um, also tanking Tilray's stock even further than it already was. Um, also on, on a related note, I'm kind of I'm watching that one going. The Euro- if certain European Union uh, uh, countries. Uh, legalize that shit. I <laughs> that stock price is gonna fucking shoot. Well, you got two things. You got two things at work here. Um, if the if certain European countries, um, Germany, come on, loosen up. Um, will you know? Will uh, legalize fully legalize cannabis? You know, there's only a Tilray has pretty much already a a, a, a a in on that market, and so. Um, and by, and also there's like the you know the, the the weird the investing weirdness right now with what with because you look at Tilray's uh, um, uh, history there's it's like it's you know in and around ten to six or something now dip to five but there's one minute shot up to fifty and you go oh yeah a bunch of people on Reddit or some shit like <laughs> yeah Wall Street bets grabs a hold of that bitch and hang on for a ride um, so there's just shot up to fifty at one point in time then immediately crashed well. So the Bloomberg article points that, you know, based how Coca-Cola perceives this, it will be an interesting factor whether they try to fight it or whether they try to ride through or sell off their shares. But also, the majority shareholder for Constellation is the Sands family, and that could possibly stand in the way. Uh, They don't, it just says, it would require support from the Sands family. It doesn't give any indication whether they'd be for or against this purchase. But over the next couple weeks, we may be talking about a purchase. Uh, the article didn't mention any details of how much it would be for, what it would inquire, whether it was stock or cash or what. So I'll be curious to see kind of what plays out here in the next couple weeks on the Monster Constellation. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I'm going to close out. Uh, I opened up the last one. Tyler's still working on the payette. Um, yeah, four fucking was- doppel boxes. <laughs> Two of them, all of them being 16 ounces, except the last one's a little heavy, Jeremy. <laughs> you know what? It felt like a good day to, to, uh, to And I still it. have to drive to Nampa. That's what you get for living in Nampa. You should, <laughs> you should have kept your house in Nampa and this would have been easier. <laughs> yeah, for you. <laughs> Doesn't I'm I'm fine I'm I can sleep right here if I need to. Um, <laughs> um, I went ahead and opened up the uh, uh, the it's an Oak Lager Doppelbach uh, from the uh, from uh, uh, OEC. 
Also, how do you pronounce that, Jeremy? The fucking... The Florida Lee? Yes. Why the fuck is that on a German beer label? Because they took that along with everything else when they when they trashed Belgium and uh, and uh, uh, invaded Paris. No. Like we will take this and this, we will put it on our Doppelbach. And then OEC <laughs> says like uh, historically France was part of Germany, and so it was part of Germany there briefly. It was a long time ago. It's fine. I mean, they gave up real quick. So. <laughs> but. Oh, it's it definitely it's definitely different. Um, I'm not sure in in the lineup. I'm not sure how to how to uh, 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 to uh, talk about it. I mean, the, there's a lot more fruitiness. Oh, there is a lot more fruitiness on that. Um, one. Tyler's gonna take it right out of the can. So no. The oak kind of overpowers all that. Uh, that's kind of what I mean. You kind of get this, like, uh, yeah, this kind of fruity, woody thing. So I was gonna say I don't get like the caramel notes I would want on a Doppelbach. There's almost no caramel notes, no roasty notes. So I don't know. It's it is definitely the oddball in the group. I like it, but but putting it up against, well, I mean, the funny thing is, I like it as a beer, but among the double box, I'm, I'm not sure I like it as much. Okay, let, you want to do a quick, yeah, sure, four rundown. Sure. What are your what are your top picks? All right, he picked the Luca Brator, the Payette, the Iinger, and the and then the uh, OEC. I'm um, actually mine is similar, except for I'm going to switch the the Iinger and Payette around. And those were like. Close enough. I put the payette above just because I felt the Iinger was a little more bitter than I wanted out and the payette was a little more approachable. But I liked the, but I mean, I, I like the bitterness. I like the, how it, you know, the, 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 how it added a, uh, you know, like that more dynamic flavor. I, the, the, and I think if this would have been my first time trying the Iinger, the Iinger probably would have sat second. But I don't remember the anger having that, and so it almost hurt it more because of the pre the previous thought of it that I had. Um, I mean, for me, the payette was. I mean, it was good. It was just. It was very well mellow, kind of boring. Is the boring is insulting, but I'm just gonna go ahead with that adjective. It was, <laughs> but that's what I kind of expect from German beers. And that's what I kind of want. Not, I wouldn't say you want. You're looking for boring. I mean, it was. It, but you, you know what I'm meaning. I want to know what I'm getting into. It, it's like having sex with that very tamed girl next door. You know what you're going to get. You know what to expect. And you know you're not getting a blowjob in the driveway. <laughs> let's say, let's say, are you going to tie this to to your very awkward experience? Of like, you know, you always want the girl who's going to blow you in her parents' driveway in full daylight. Well, while a guy in a car over a car a few streets over watches and beats. Trying off. to read a fucking article, and I look over and I'm like, Sure, you're. What trying, are you doing? Sure, you were trying to read an article. <laughs> this has been. It's all. Well, hold on. I got. I got one more oh, final you, thing. Do you have a final? Oh, I'm sorry. 
So Sorry, Tyler, do you have anything else for us today? Yes. Uh, our friend Andrew Dill from uh, Liquid Intrusion Brewing uh, shared something on Facebook I saw today uh, that I figured I'd throw out. Um, he shared a post from Marcus Bakerville, uh, the brewer and I think owner of Weathered Souls, Yes, who created Black is Beautiful. Uh, Black is Beautiful is now um, in the MLK Junior Library. Holy uh, shit, really? It's and the Black is Beautiful initiative. The post is the Black is Beautiful initiative is now Black History. I would have never thought in my life to have a quote in the MLK Junior Library. Thank you for everyone who has supported and participated. It's a copy of the can. It talks about some of the local breweries near there that did that. It talks about how Marcus uh, started that, what he was looking for, uh, the organizations that the local breweries gave it to, a picture of the can. Um, I mean, that's... Uh, and it is now a part of history. That's, I mean, that's that's got to be a little bit mind-bending because, you know, the, if you remember, we talked about this, oh, shit, and years ago right 10 15 years ago um the you know you know the start of during the start of the pandemic where he was basically like uh he was talking about trying you know wanting to do something and i uh, the the quote is half remembered but bear with me you know he's like you know it was something along the lines you know i i I got kids i can't go out and join the george floyd protests uh, but I want to do something, mm-hmm. and so you know, here's my way. And it was basically like you know there was you know you, you had the what was the what was the the collaboration of like for service workers early in the pandemic that kind of I think was a lot of the inspiration for something like this. Cause I was, thought it was the resilience about the campfire well, there fires was, in there was a resilience. California. <laughs> this this might be something, but there also I don't remember what brewery started it, but they also did like a. I mean, the resilience where resilience went wrong it was they never held anyone accountable. And... But I mean, what you know, the next inner incarnation, and I think it was called Brood for Us, or no, that's Founders fucking tagline. Um, I I don't remember this. So. Okay, well, anyway, so um, so a bunch of breweries did a collaboration. Um, actually, it was it was I think it was the BA that led it. A bunch of breweries did a collaboration. Um, you know, same recipe. Actually, it was the it was the Brewers Association. Come to think of it, um, and um, um, I want to say it's called All of Us. And, oh, that sounds familiar. And you know, it was a very simple recipe that could be brewed anywhere. Um, and it was and and if you did brew it, you were you were asked to, but not obligated to, could you know make a contribution to some fund to help yeah. service workers who were facing a terrible time yes. right at the beginning of the pandemic. I remember that. Now. Um, and then, you know, I mean, taking, I mean, taking that idea, um, you know, uh, black is beautiful kind of ran the same thing. Although, I mean, what the brew associated did, they kind of create a bare bones, um, recipe that could be brewed literally anywhere in the world. Um, this was a little bit, this was a little bit more detailed, but again, you could make any changes you want. I was going to say, but black is beautiful. Didn't necessarily do the strict guidelines of like you, resilience. I mean, they said, if you want to change or adjunct this, go for it. They, they put out a recipe, but also they said, but you can do whatever you want with this. In fact, yeah. a local kombucha company, uh, Boise Fermentation Company, mm-hmm. did a black is beautiful that had none of the ingredients. They did a blackberry and pomegranate uh, uh, alcoholic and non-alcoholic kombucha they called Black is Beautiful. Yep. That was quite good if you're a fan of kombucha, and I'm not, but it was still quite good. 
despite not oh. being a fan of kombucha. But um, um, but uh, yeah, the you know it it and, it and it was kind of modeled on the same thing. You, you know, if you brew this, you can use the you can use the logo. Um, and it would be gosh darn diligent of you if you put some money, uh, put some money from mm-hmm. the sales of this towards um, uh, some groups. What that... it, and I think all of us in Black is Beautiful Bull said, whatever benefit you would like to see benefit, yeah. where resilience it was for a dedicated thing. Yeah, but anyway, that's that's. I mean, but I mean, like the point where I got off on that is like, it sounds you know it sounds like somebody starting something like. I want to do something. Let's give this a shot, and it's snowballing into something. Well, there's there's a can preserved in the MLK Junior Museum. So yeah. that's that's pretty amazing, uh, and uh, uh, that's again more hope. And uh, 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 thank you, Andrew, for sharing that. I was gonna say, yeah, I saw that uh, while I was having lunch today, and I was like, I need to make sure I bring this cool. up, and so. All right. Anything else? Now you can continue. Now, okay, all right. This has been uh, It's All Beer. If you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, you can find our Instagram, It's All Beer, um, and our Facebook, at It's All Beer. we got a Twitter account. I post all the stories we use to put this podcast together. Uh, you can find us at It's All Beer 1. And if you'd like to, if you have, like, stories, opinions, anything else you want to send us, um, you can send that to uh, It's All Beer at gmail.com. And, of course, you know, there are places to leave a review if you feel so inclined uh, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on our Facebook page. If you want to uh, uh, get a hold of us and let us know that uh, we've ruined your trip to McCall because you were hoping for a good episode to help pass the time. And instead, you've got <laughs> you've got Tyler being extra special bitchy because he remembers blowjobs for the first time in a while and is suddenly sad. That's never- not why I'm <laughs> whining today. <laughs> suddenly, I'm mad he's never going to get one again. And, or it's because my brain is just not functioning where the damn, let's be honest. Yeah, I feel like you've been firing about half the cylinders and I'm catching all the shit this episode. Just, I mean, you you, you just just completely off balance. It's why you're just like a fucking blowjobs. I remember that much. Why? <laughs> Anyway, that'll be uh, quite enough from us. Uh, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to go drink more Doppelbach. Have fun.